Hey Graphic Audio fans, this is Dwayne Beeman here with this week's Pick of the Week. This week, we are highlighting one of our new Western titles from Graphic Audio, R.S. Belcher's Golgotha No. 1, The Six-Gun Tarot. Most Westerns we do here at Graphic Audio follow a traditional pattern, good cowboy versus bad cowboy, or a cowboy falls in love with cowgirl, or following the escapades of some outlaw gang. However, with this offering, there's none of that type of stuff going on. If you can dream in your head what is the weirdest scenario you can think of for a Western, the result will probably mirror the backdrop of this story. Now you're saying to yourself, it can't be that crazy. The name of the book itself is a term from Christianity, but that's just it. This isn't a Christian-themed Western. Matter of fact, it's a complete 180 from being a Christian-themed Western. So, what we have here is a story about a town that sits beyond a 40-mile desert. The name of the town is Golgotha. It's a declining mining town, and its inhabitants are not just normal people. In the desert, we meet a teenager named Jim, who is on the run and finds himself in dire circumstances as he's out of water and his horse is on the verge of dying. Jim also happens to have a mysterious artifact, the eye of his murdered father. Jim is rescued by a man named Mutt, a Native American who is the deputy of Golgotha. Mutt seems to think that Jim harbors some magical powers, could be the eye folks, and takes him back to Golgotha. Once they are there, the weirdness begins. We are introduced to the town sheriff named John Highfather, a guy who the town thinks is literally dead man walking, having escaped death more times than he can count, symbolized by rope burn around his neck from actually surviving a hanging. Then we meet the town's mayor, who actually serves as the town's minister as well. Practicing Mormon beliefs, he has two wives, but is harboring a scandalous secret, and I do mean scandalous. Then we meet Maude, the town banker's wife, who just isn't some weak, mild-mannered housewife. She is actually the descendant of a famous pirate and a butt-kicking assassin straight from the Kill Bill movies. Also, we have an angel who serves as the town saloon's keeper, a widower whose late wife is kept in suspended animation by the town's crazy scientists with the hopes of bringing her back to life. We have Mormon elders who are keeping watch over the secret treasures of Joseph Smith. Oh, by the way, did I tell you that Mutt, the town's deputy, is actually kin to a pack of wild coyotes? Yep, Golgotha is one strange town for sure. But wait, that's not all. Also in the town lies a mysterious evil preacher who is trying to reawaken evil spirits that lay deep under the town's silver mines in an effort to bring on the apocalypse, as in the end of the world. As the residents in town get a whiff of what's going on, they band together to save their town and save humanity as well. Can they do it? You're gonna have to get the book to find out. With so much going on in this story, R.S. Belcher does an exceptional job in keeping all the storylines together to tell a great story filled with drama, action, and supernatural elements that take this story over the top. Then when you add the talents of director Scott McCormick and sound designer Justin Wirtz, you get a marvelous graphic audio experience. The graphic audio bullpen shines through the narration of Dylan Lynch and the acting talents of Tim Getman, Jacob Yeh, Eric Messner, Mr. McCormick himself, Evan Casey, Casey Platt, Laura C. Harris, and Terrence Aselford, among others. As an added bonus, this book will be sure to give you more bang for your buck. This book clocked in at 10 hours, 
which goes on record as the longest production Graphic Audio has ever produced. I think with everything that I just mentioned, you should be on the site right now to grab the six-gun tarot. And if not, do it now. Let's listen to a clip of Graphic Audio's production of R.S. Belcher's Golgotha No. 1, The Six-Gun Tarot. There was a sound. It came from out past the edge of town, past the dry well, out by the cattle ranch. It became more distinct as it rapidly grew closer and closer, galloping, a horse's hooves clattering in a wild, powerful run. The horse appeared at the edge of Main Street in a cloud of desert dust. It was a bay stallion. The rider was crouched low, his gray, wide-brimmed Stetson held tight on his head by the stampede string under his chin. The rider's face was half covered by a tied kerchief to keep the dust and sand out of his nose and mouth. His gray barn coat fluttered like a moth's wings as he spurred his mount down faster and faster. About damn time. Jim took the reins when they were tossed to him and looped them around the post. The rider climbed off the saddle with the smooth grace of someone who had lived most of his life on horseback. He pulled the bandana down around his neck and pushed the hat back off his forehead. He was a tall man, a good half foot taller than Mutt, and he had hair the color of desert sand. It was longish, slicked back from his face. He was handsome in a kind of way, nothing fancy like the mayor. He had a week's trail beard shadowing his jaw, and it made him seem older than he really was. A gleaming silver star hung on the lapel of his dusty barn coat, and a 44 was strapped to his right hip. He wiped his face with a gloved hand and looked around. Gray eyes flashed silver in the late morning sun. John! Nice entrance. Thanks, Mutt. What is it this time? I heard the shots riding in. Somebody's in the general store shooting off Augie's shotgun. Harry seems to think it's Earl Gibson. That don't sound like Earl, even on a tear. That don't sound like Earl at all. I know. I was just about to go in there and have a discussion with him about that. All by yourself? Well... Not too much help was forthcoming from our fellow citizens. It's a comfort to know some things never change. Who's this? I'm Jim. I'm a friend of Mutt's. The sheriff frowned and turned to Mutt, who said nothing, only shrugged, then back to Jim. He pulled off a glove and extended a dirty, calloused hand to the boy. John Highfather. I'm sheriff in these parts. Not too many claim Mutt as a friend, and he don't cotton the most that do. So it's always nice to meet someone who makes the cut. My father looked at the pistol in Jim's hand, then to Mutt. He's my deputy. I found him out in the desert. You're what? Well, I needed someone watching my back, and I couldn't wait around anymore for you to come riding in, making fancy entrances. Picking up strays again, Mutt? Look who's talking. My father untied the leather thong around his leg and then unbuckled his gun belt. He turned back to his horse and rummaged in his saddlebags. He took out a large metal key ring with dozens of keys. He selected one and offered it to Mutt, keeping his back to the store's windows. This is the key to Augie's back door. I want you to wait until I get inside, and then get back there and open it as quiet as you can. It sticks a bit. Will do, boss. What if Earl is crazy as a jumping bean and just blasts you? You know better, Mutt. Oh, yeah, right. Not your time. I forgot. Sorry. Just give me a minute to get the medicine show rolling, okay? And you, Deputy Jim, I want you to stay right there and cover us, okay? Jim nodded, knelt, and adjusted the gun against the post again. 
My father laid his gun belt over the hitching post and walked up onto the sidewalk. Earl? Earl, you in there? It's John Highfather. I need to talk to you. You go on now, John. You don't know what they've been pouring in my ears. Down my throat, John. You ain't seen. A disheveled old man with wild gray hair and whiskers dressed in filthy clothes appeared in the window. He was holding a squat, sawed-off, double-barreled scattergun to the chest of the portly walrus-looking man Jim had seen sweeping up when they had entered town. The old man's eyes were glazed over with fear. Go on now, John. I don't want to hurt anybody, but I got to plug up my ears. So up my mouth. I can't stand it anymore! Now, Earl, you know I can't just walk away here. Why don't you put the gun down? Augie Schultz, the walrus shopkeeper, looked scared too, but was doing a good job of controlling it. John, he shot up the store, but no one is hurt. I, I think he, he's sick. Earl thumbed back the hammers on the shotgun. Shut up! Shut up! They did this to me! They did it! The singing thing in the mountain! Earl, I don't have any guns, see? I'm going to come in there and we can talk. Okay, Earl? Just talk. The old man and his hostage disappeared from in front of the large window. Highfather looked back at Mutt and Jim, opened the door, and stepped inside. Schultz's general store usually smelled of talcum, sawdust, and sausages. Today, it was gunpowder and the sour smell of vinegar. The pickle barrel was dead. A massive hole blasted in it, and green juice and dills covered the floor. Several of the shelves behind the counter that contained Augie's pharmacopoeia canisters were torn apart, their contents scattered across the store. Bins of chemicals and compounds were strewn everywhere. Shut the door! They can hear us when the door's open. They who, Earl? <gasps> the old man jumped, his eyes wide in fear, and he pressed the gun into Augie's chest. Bells! They talking silver bells. They're eating my memories. I can't remember Daisy's face no more, John. They done gone and ate Daisy's face from me. Highfather stepped closer to the old man. I understand Daisy was a fine woman, Earl. We're all powerful sorry she's gone. But that isn't Augie's fault now, is it? <laughs> Earl loosened his grip on the gun. Augie turned so he could see his captor's face. You know, I understand how it is to lose someone, Earl, yes? When Gertie passed, I thought I had died along with her. I still wish I had most days. But, but isn't that her singing upstairs? Singing along with the music box? Augie's face paled, his mouth opened, but nothing came out. There's no one singing, Earl. Gert's passed. Daisy is gone, too. I'm sorry, but that's the way of it. People die. It's sad. Shut up! You dumb son of a bitch! You don't know what they do up there on that mountain, do you, Sheriff? It's tossing and turning. It eats the heart of the world like a worm burrowing an apple. Maybe the preacher's right. My faith is just shivering, weak. Is it wrong for me to try to keep him from hollowing me out from the inside? I should just blow all you stupid bastards to kingdom come while it's still there before they burn down heaven and feast on a corpse. Maybe we should all die now better that way. He managed to maneuver the old man so his back was to the counter. People die, Earl. Up on the mountain, down in the valley. Everyone dies. Everyone but you, John. Everyone but me. 
You've heard the stories, haven't you, Earl? Stories about me? They say you sold your soul to the devil, John. That's what they say. High Father held the old man's gaze with his voice, shimmering gray eyes. Yeah, I've heard that one too, Earl. Heard all of them. They tried to kill me back in the war, Earl. Strung me up on the end of a hangman's rope three times. Wanna see? High Father pulled back the bandana and tugged down the collar of his shirt. Three lines of ugly, striated scars crisscrossed each other around the sheriff's neck. The gruesome orbits intersected and blurred into pale, raised scar tissue at different points all around his throat. See, Earl? That shotgun can't kill me. Nothing on this earth can kill me. Now you give it to me right now, or I swear on the gallows tree, I'm going to take it away from you. Dead man. They say you're a walking dead man. Not your time. My father grabbed the shotgun by the smooth, oily barrel. If you enjoyed the clip of Golgotha Number 1, The Six-Gun Tarot, you can purchase the title right here on our website, www.graphicaudio.net. The book can be purchased in all available download formats, MP3, M4B, and FLAC. It is also available in audio CD format, and you can listen to your downloads anytime, anywhere with our free Graphic Audio Access app, available for Apple and Android devices. Also, be sure to go to our Behind the Mic section as you can listen to a podcast that was done by director Scott McCormick with R.S. Belcher about the making of Golgotha. Be back next week as I'll have another pick of the week for you. Until then, peace. Peace.